0: Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast which asks which movies are well worth watching and remembering for all time. Every episode we discuss a different piece of film history to decide if it should make its way into our movie vault. Filled with questions, trivia and crazy challenges, it's the perfect way to deep dive into a myriad of movies. But don't just take my word for it, here's a glimpse of what to expect in today's episode. But it does remind me a lot of Demolition Man. Into the oh, I'm I'm so I'm done I'm done. Goodbye.
1: I am Jesus. honestly losing. Get
0: yourself a drink, by the way, Craig. I realize you never got yourself a glass of water, which I felt bad. For. I am honestly oh, losing yeah. my I mind. Know, I know, I know, that is
1: insane that you have actually. I mean, it's it's interesting that you think there's a plot because that is that is a shock to me. All right, Mr. Demille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not
0: entertained? Oh. I'll do that. New Here's Johnny. Oh,
1: hi, Mark. Hey, call me Mr. Tips. I'm that man. not the car, It's a silly movie mode, I'll get you my pretty new and And beyond. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off.
0: Well, good movies. Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that asks which movies are well worth watching and which deserve to be remembered for all time. I'm your host, David Oscar and I'm joined by our very own Harbinger of Chaos. It's my co-host, Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. I was going to ask you to think very carefully
2: about how <laughs> you're going to try and link me to this film. So I'm glad that you decided... No, we're not going to yeah. do
0: that. We're just fine. I was tempted to just be like, I don't know how to introduce this episode. but And joining me this week is our very own pimp, Kravodoro. <laughs> I was tempted to go with a similar word to that, which is prick, <laughs> as it is in this film. mentioned, that, like, I am a prick. <laughs> and I was just like, that's harsh. But, um, but the, the subtle connection is that I think, as we've mentioned already, you know, You've suggested a lot of films in the past few weeks. Don't, in- and, and don't to insinuate this them. is my fault. I, I think I, I'm going with what, what I did before, which is similar vibes. I think that by suggesting Full Monty, you have led us here. <laughs>
2: that's, that's harsh. <laughs> it's genuinely harsh.
0: Well, we'll see what the story is by the end of the year. Will I just be like, Craig led us to this Christmas film. Craig led us to Showgirls. It'll just keep going on and on.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry that like, You've had no input over the films of this year. That's not my fault, though. I'm not saying my
0: input has affected that, but maybe the room. But clearly choices... hasn't affected it. No one's chosen your films, mate. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that. The film the specific films you have chosen have led to these wild directions we've gone yeah, in. yeah but
2: at this at the same time right that's kind of what this podcast is meant yeah, to do
0: yeah <laughs> no I, I am also loving the wild directions we're going in fitting in with that um I'll go straight to uh, someone who's become quite a regular on here now uh, it is our good friend film reviewer and fellow podcaster Mary Munoz hello Mary
1: hello. Thank you so much for having me back. It's too, I feel like I've got like whiplash because the last time I was on here we were discussing something really wholesome and sweet.
0: That's, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Right, go in with the kind of harbinger of chaos vibes because Mary would also have been through just an erratic array of films in being on this podcast recently, especially when you look back to Christmas, which was a very kind of strange, Olive the Other Reindeer, but then the wholesomeness of... Uh, what was the, the Netflix cartoon Angela's Christmas I'm yeah. like oh, yeah. and I'm like oh you know Catholic Angela would or whatever wouldn't be very happy with us watching this film I don't think um, no
1: we have we have been through the emotional ringer together so I'm very much looking forward to to chat with you guys about this let's
0: get on to what we are discussing uh, so we can uh, break it all down so Craig for those who didn't catch last time's episode can you please catch us up on how we came to talk about today's film
2: So in last episode, when we were discussing the relatively wholesome stripping film, The Full Monty, we had the 250 podcast guys of Darren and Andrew with us. In the end, after a nail biting, and I mean nail biting because it literally went to a tie break in the end with a reversal victory for Darren. In the end, he was encouraged to choose his own film suggestion. So he decided to go go from the stripping of men to the stripping of women into Showgirls.
1: Are you going to win? I'm
2: going to dance.
1: There's a spot open in the chorus line.
0: I think you should try out.
1: I got an audition!
0: Okay, ladies, I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile.
1: From the creators of Basic Instinct. The Last Time. They took you to the edge. This time, they're taking you all the way.
2: We take the cash, we cash the check,
0: we show them what they want to see.
1: It's not about fair, it's about power. You're a stripper, don't you get it?
0: I'm a dancer.
1: She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's what Las Vegas is all about. Showgirls. Your inhibitions at the door. Yep,
0: so today we'll be talking all about Showgirls from 1995 and asking the question of whether it deserves the honor of a place in our movie vault, our vault that encapsulates memorable movies for all time. So for those who don't know, the story of Showgirls is all alone in the world Nomi Malone makes her way to Las Vegas, determined to make a name as a dancer while putting her unspoken past behind her. Her first true friend in Vegas, Molly Abrams, works as the costumer for Goddess, the topless production at Stardust. It is through Molly that Nomi catches the eye of goddess headliner Crystal Connors and Crystal's boyfriend, Zach Carey, Stardust's entertainment director. In her attempt to achieve fame and fortune, Nomi discovers the good, the bad and the very bad about Vegas life, especially among the rich and beautiful. So this film is directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, It is written by Joe Estes. Terrace, also known for writing Basic Instinct and Silver from 1993. Uh, the music is by David A. Stewart. Cinematography by Jost Varkano, also known for Das Boot and Robocop. And it is edited by Mark Goldblatt and Mark Helfrick. In terms of cast, uh, you got quite a lot of well-known names and faces here. you got Elizabeth Berkley as Nomi Malone. Uh, Kyle MacLachlan as Zach Carey. Gina... Gershon as Crystal Connors, Glenn Plummer as James Smith, Robert Davi as Al Torres, Alan Rutchins as Tony Moss, Gina Rivera as Molly Abrams, Lynn Tucci as Henrietta (laughs) Bazoom, Greg Travis as Phil Newark, Al Ruscio as Mr. Carlman, Patrick Bristow as Marty Jacobson, William Shockley as Andrew Carver, and Michelle Johnston as Gay. This is uh, classed as an erotic drama thriller um from, as I said, Paul Verhoven. So he's also known for directing Robocop, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, and The Hollow Man, as well as uh erotic thriller basic instinct in 1992 hence the connection then with also the writer and the cinematographer working on those films so those are his biggest kind of credits in the films that he's known for he won academy award for best foreign film uh sort of early in his career and i guess that led to a lot of his like later success um with you know originally he was uh, successful with dutch films um uh, he later returned to Europe making the Dutch war film Black Book in 2006 so ever since his success in the the 90s and the 80s he's kind of gone you know back to back to his roots i guess in a way um but yeah as far as this film is concerned known for its nudity Um, and its budget is produced on what was then a sizable budget of around 45 million and it has significant controversy and hype uh, due to the sex and nudity that was in the theatrical release in the united states the film was rated nc-17 for nudity and erotic sexuality throughout some graphic language and sexual violence and it was actually the first and to date only nc-17 rated film to be given a wide release in mainstream theaters in america so it kind of became well known because a lot of like teenagers, et cetera, were like creeping into the theaters and watching it. Um, it's also known for them becoming a box office bomb because they only grossed 37.8 million against a much higher budget. Um, it had a lot of negative reviews, uh, but it did have a lot of success on the home video market, generating another $100 million, which then allowed it to turn a profit. First video premiere, Verhoeven prepared an R-rated cut for rental outfits that would not carry NC-17 films. This edited version runs three minutes shorter and deletes some of the more graphic footage um showgirls was a critical failure upon release panned for its acting characters dance numbers directing <laughs> plot screenplay and sex scenes and consistently ranked as one of the worst films ever made despite this showgirls has become regarded as a cult film and subject to critical re-evaluation with some notable directors and critics considering it a serious satire worthy of praise sorry what <laughs> well that will make it definitely a very interesting conversation today uh so when this was brought up yeah the, it was a mix of experiences from us in terms of having seen it or experiences with it before i had never seen it before craig was familiar with it so then in terms of like reaching out to our kind of circle of guests etc it was interesting to see who else had seen it and uh mary you had quite a visceral reaction of like oh god that film <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said to you, this is one of the worst films ever made. When you're like, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, well, yeah, of okay. course. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, my tolerance for crap films is really high. Like I, I sat through David Caruso's Jade. Like I, I love an erotic thriller, but this always stands out Is I remember, I think the first time I saw it was maybe about 10 years ago. But I remember even then seeing it and thinking, wow, this is so terrible. There's not a single aspect of it that is redeeming. Like there's not like one good part of it, whether it's, you know, soundtrack or, you know, sort of cinematography or acting. There's just nothing going for it. And having rewatched it again for this podcast, I can confirm that my opinion has not changed.
0: <laughs> that's that's good to know then. Yeah. So we know, well, in my head anyway, I know we're, we're, we're kind of, going in terms of people's reactions and stuff like that so and and I guess to you the standards were like the sex scenes and stuff like that so what that's what you remembered it for
1: yeah because I always remember someone described the sort of pool scene which has become quite notorious as Elizabeth Berkeley thrashing around like an unmanned garden hose and that that has stayed in my head as a turn of phrase and yeah again watching it last night I was chuckling away which i don't think was the effect that they were going for it was obviously supposed to be really sort of like sexy and over the top and actually you just look at it and go there's no way those two people are actually making physical contact let alone having sex but i mean you know let's not be fussy about things
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh i think th- there was when i was watching it kind of like oh okay i think i vaguely have seen you know references to this Oh, yeah it might have been in like top 10 lists and that kind of thing so i i recognize some elements of it but largely I was like completely pretty much unaware of this film. You know, I didn't know all that much about it at all. So, you know, it, it has been interesting. To you go should have it.
2: known it for at least like the referencing and the Simpsons they did of this film.
0: See, I was thinking that in terms of like when you get um, those type of films, especially in the nineties and some of the more like, you know, like, satires of erotic stuff in The Simpsons. I was like, oh, is this something that the Simpsons were drafting? They literally
2: in? go to the cinema to watch this. Oh, is this showgirls that they go to see? Yeah. It? Oh,
0: okay. Right. Okay. It's literally well, Mar- my Simpsons Mug was well placed. Marge and Homer <laughs> literally
2: go it's that episode where they give Bart like the uh focus in drug. And they're like, well, he's being behaved now. We can leave him and Lisa alone. Uh, We're going to go and watch Showgirls. And he's literally that's like, you're one of the most talented dancers I've ever seen. You can't give it up and become a teacher.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, the thing is, like, there are lots of, I mean, as I say, I I use David Cruz's Jade as an example, obviously, to be flippant. It's another terrible film. But there are lots of good erotic thrillers that came out. It was very much a, a genre of the time. I just feel like this is so, I don't know, I feel like it's trying to be this sort of almost like telenovela style, really like hyperbolic, you know, over the top thing in order to deliver some level of satire. But everything about it just falls apart so that it it, it can't possibly be satire. It's just rubbish.
2: Yeah, there's there's one glaring issue with the film that I'm sure we will explore explore which to me makes it seem like if there is any satire involved in this it's always going to fall flat yeah
0: well and and it's interesting that you mentioned the Mary about that element of it was something quite popular at the time because as we said before the episode it's like you know is this a thing is this a genre within itself can you talk about the wider context and i think i was trying to think of like okay what are at least some of the similar films which I think of in terms of that and are the successful versions of this, are they made with only so sort of like one intention in, in mind and and when, especially when you look at the kind of era it was made and what the director was, was making, especially, you know, those are not really on the sort of same wavelength um, apart from basic instinct potentially. But that It does seem to be a genre which very much has kind of like faded away more. And if you are looking more at that kind of like storyline or that kind of world, it's more through a kind of more serious lens. Um, there's not that kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The kind of glorification of it in a way. Yeah. Um, it's showing the negative aspects of that, even with something like Magic Mike or something. And you do get like, you know, fun films, I guess, like Coyote Ugly and stuff like that. And I guess that there is a big element of like, how how good is it in terms of representation of men, of women, of, you know, like people in these kind of industries, et cetera?
1: So I do think it does try to expose the sort of undersider seats in sleaziness. I mean, but the problem is that it's too on the nose. So even from the very opening of the film, you know, where she gets in the the truck because she's she's hitchhiking, me that is, um, you know, that guy is headed to Vegas, quite literally, you know, quaffered like Elvis And immediately, you know, the shirt's unbuttoned and it's what can you do for me? And, you know, she gets the the flick knife out or whatever. And it's just everything about it is far too on the nose. So any seriousness behind, you know, the messages about whether it's sort of exploitation of young women or, you know, the the whole idea that you can be a small town person trying to live out a big dream in a big city, you can't take any of it seriously. Because there's, well, for first of all, there's usually someone's boobs flapping in the screen, and that's why you can't take anything that's been said seriously. But also, it's just far too on the nose. So it doesn't feel, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it later, but there is one scene in particular that does feel very realistic and is quite shocking. But again, it's just lost in the melee of boobs, is the, is the bottom line.
2: I think there's just one crucial element that's needed in all of this. Especially if you're going to look at the entire industry of say, uh, from stripping to like the sh- like the shows, which is that I'm pretty sure when you were telling me like the deeper sort of production list mm-hmm. earlier and when I was even watching the credits, I was just like, this just seems very very male heavy in production and in writing, and I'm just like, I don't understand what perspectives you guys have that means this is going to be interesting to watch and this isn't just going to be a lot of a lot of flash a lot of pomp a lot of breasts um it just and the fact you also said the the director did like what robocop and uh total recall Mm. yeah that just shows to me it's like okay so you. You're just a lad. You were just, you were just a lad, and you just get the opportunity. It's like, oh, what if we, what if we, what if we do a film about about strippers, and all they do is basically dance naked and like <laughs> just fuck people all the time. But just to make sure that we're not making poor, what if we just right towards the end imply that it's bad?
1: <laughs> yeah, it does.
2: What if we do that, it's guys? So
1: it's it's very performative, um, and it's care I guess of it uh, in the treatment of its subject I mean you do have as I say very stereotypical sleazy male characters you know right from the offset um but that's not to say that they are in themselves by these sort of sympathetic female characters because there may be only is one or two of those it really does seem like an excuse to you know let's take some sort of stars of the the time and obviously Elizabeth Berkeley coming off her say by the bell era and you know have them parades naked for I think was it two hours eight minutes of torture I sat through last night something like that I run time something along yeah it's this. close to that
2: <laughs> just the amount of different people who were just like what you're doing is wrong my slightly different version of what you've been doing is right and I'm just like what the hell are you people talking about saying oh you shouldn't be a showgirl when you were a stripper it was better because
0: that's at least honest what the fuck are you talking about. <laughs> I do like this uh, theme that we have of maybe, like, the list of, like, famous directors throughout time that will be, like, Paul Verhoeven will be there as a lad, uh, which we similarly had Peter Jackson as a weirdo a few weeks ago <laughs> when we were talking about Brain Dead. I think we're just going to continue to have this uh, kind of just basic summary of directors. Yeah, but I think we way.
2: need a clarification on lad because some people will be like, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, no, 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 as in, like, you are you are a virgin boy
0: <laughs> who just clearly clearly needs to touch grass (laughs) we'll just have like an emoji next to it like we're just like so craig what what is your general thoughts about this film it's bad
2: (laughs) i think i've already hinted that the issues at the issues i necessarily have with this i think that they i think they suggest darker elements behind the scenes of this but sort of completely overlook it overwash it in lieu of something which just seems like a sort of career cattiness behind it, right? They don't ever really explore the fact that, uh, like, Nomi's past is trouble. I mean, the moment you see it, like, she said, I haven't got parents, I'm just like, I'm pretty sure I know everything about you, at which point, by the end, when it's, like, the reveal of Polly's sort of history, I was not surprised by any of it. I was just like, yeah, this does seem to be the accurate description of people who actively... I'm sorry, you don't look go looking... Like, if you're homeless or familyless you don't go looking for vegas to just like be like an absolute star you are going because there is literally one thing you can do <laughs> one thing unfortunately and that just seems to be it like at which point i'm just like why are you in any way a showing loads of people who are just like glorifying it B like i've already suggested you have people like is it is it al who runs the the strip yes, joint Robert who's just who's yeah. just like who's just like nah my my business is legit this like you won't last it i'm just like what the f what are you doing and just openly telling new girls like you want to stay longer the week you got to give me a blow job and just like, oh jesus christ
1: it's it's one of these things though well, really, like you watch it and it's obviously very exploitative but the whole point is it's supposed to be showcasing the exploited like the exploitative nature of that industry but you watch it and you're just like all of these actors are being extremely exploited by this like i do not need to see that much of your anatomy and I too watched this on um, Late Night TV one night. Um, I had a huge crush on Kyle MacLachlan at the time because I think he, I think I just started like watching Twin Peaks or whatever, watched it. And with that terrible haircut that he has in this, between that and the pool scene, I was like, I need a break from Kyle MacLachlan for a long time. It's, yeah, I think it's a film that sets out to be this sort of, I don't even know if you can call it satire. I feel like it's trying to do some sort of, sort of high level messaging on look at the dark and seedy side of, you know, the city of Sin or whatever you want to call it. And then it just is two hours of, as I say, like, you know, boobs being flashed across the screen with no actual real point to it. Because the thing is, the characters who are terrible, which in effect is all of them, save for Molly, they don't actually receive any comeuppance, which is kind of what you're looking for in this sort of Hollywood narrative, isn't it? You're wanting these bad guys, these sleazy guys or whatever it is to get found out or, you know, to be be shown for who they are. And that never happens. And the problem is as well that Nomi is a character isn't someone that you can protect? I mean, I'm watching this obviously from a slightly different perspective of you guys, but I'm watching it going, I don't, there's there's not a female character in this film who I think, oh, I could I could warm to you or I could be friends with you. Because again, all the women are reduced to this sort of scheming, catty, out for themselves and really only good for one thing.
2: Yeah, they all seem way too happy to be in that situation. Yeah. Like at no point do they, it's other people telling them that they shouldn't be happy and that's a they shouldn't be happy in that situation, which is also problematic insofar as like choice feminism. If people wanted to be there, then fine, let them be there. But in order to make this sort of story, you have to show that they just don't want to be there. And then they only come up and says, what? A guy gets spat in the face and someone else gets beat, beaten up. Great. Yeah, that totally makes up for all of the horrible things that you've done. And for those critics out there who say that this seems like an attempt at satire, I, I have a very direct message for you. Give up, <laughs> stop critiquing. You do not have any sense of media literacy whatsoever. Yeah. I'm ashamed of you. Yeah.
0: In regards to what? Sorry.
2: Well, you earlier said like uh, p- like some critics tried to defend it as like an attempt at satire. Yeah, there there is no satire. I mean, stop.
1: Satire obviously supposed to make you laugh and make you think. This film certainly makes me laugh. Um, probably not for the reasons that they want me to, and it. But it doesn't make me think beyond um but as, as the stuff I've just outlined there you know the characters that you want to get their comeuppance don't it seems very exploitative and just I don't know there's something about it though even watching it now obviously tw- was it maybe 20 nearly 20 years on from when it was released like you cannot imagine a film like this I mean obviously you've got the kind of I would say similar themes maybe in sort of like your magic mics where it's trying to expose a kind of seedy underside but you've you've hit the nail on the head like Every single character is like desperate to be in this goddess show. And it's not until somebody says to them, you know, oh, you you don't want a $1,000 for that because you're going to have to sleep with so-and-so at the end of it that they go, oh, yeah, no, I don't want that. And it's like, why? Why are you having to be told that this is a bad thing? You're being put in a bad situation or you're being made vulnerable. And even like the Robert Davie character, where he's sitting there going, oh, you know what? If you take them into the back room, they're not allowed to touch you. But if they come all over you, make sure you get extra money. What the hell? what is that? What is that for career advice?
2: <laughs> and then later on in the film comes again uh, no pun intended <laughs> turns up again later in the film and says wow it must be weird to not have anyone come on you for a change I'm just like
1: So can do, I just do you say mean- that that is one of the lines that always stands out to me so there's that and there's the one where he says you look better topless and she goes you should see me bottomless it's some of the worst <laughs> writing I've ever ever heard it hurts my ears even just thinking about it
2: I genuinely do ask have the writers of this film spoken to women?
1: Well allegedly just, they not did. just not just
2: in the industry, just just in general, have they spoken to women? Hang on. Did you say allegedly they yeah, did Yeah, so
1: apparently they went out to sort of strippers and showgirls and were like, Tell me your good experiences, tell me your bad experiences and they sort of took them verbatim and popped them into the film. Now obviously they've built a script around it, but apparently the experiences is, is- thanks to research <laughs> just to be clear research doesn't you know if you're just sitting in a strip club one night sticking 20s down somebody's g-string that is not research which is kind of how i feel like the research might have gone for this but allegedly they yeah. did speak to actual showgirls because
2: i feel like in that situation it's like so how do you feel about your job uh like stripper showgirl etc looks over the court over her shoulder to the boss in the corner i'm having a great time <laughs>
1: I've only had to use a deep clean twice today. I'm loving life.
0: (laughs) I guess, uh, yeah, it's like... Oh, David coming in to defend us. No, no, well... (laughs) in terms of the did, research thing did you thing, enjoy
1: though, whilst, it just see yes did you enjoy it
0: well what I'm I was just going to get to the research thing which I think is it goes down to that classic thing of like one there's the element of like as we've seen in later years is you really need to involve those people in the process itself yeah. not just ask them which has been you know like the folly of many that's exactly what I've been saying which yeah. is what happened to other films which have come down the line uh, which I'm you know sure might come up later on etc etc in which people have had experience in that and are actively in the film and things like that. And obviously, you know, when I was watching this, you know, I've seen some of the films that are like that. So I guess I've se- never seen as much of the exploitative kind of glorified version of things or when it has been, it has been that very like campy, absolutely ridiculous 60s, 70s stuff. Yeah, when I when I think about like, how are you representing that like negative side of what they're trying to go towards then i think of something like black swan or something like that in which it literally is you know overcome someone and there's that kind of like vanity and that hunger for fame but obviously they are very much going for a kind of like you know in-depth look at somebody and i guess in a way i kind of see this as a build-up to that in some ways hopefully that they've learned lessons from this film but yeah i'm sorry guys i actually didn't mind this film <laughs> i feel dirty now because you guys have hated on us so much but I don't know but I think if I could defend myself
1: do you remember when I texted you last night saying we used to be friends because I had to watch this like I would repeat myself because I cannot believe you're defending this
2: I I genuinely cannot (laughs) believe we're in a situation where I'm on the moral high ground (laughs) against
0: David coming next week Mary and Craig's Um, new podcast
1: Yep, yep, you're not allowed on
0: (laughs) If I may defend myself, I think that I went in with such low expectations, bearing in mind that this was after, you know, Mary had warned me about it, etc. I think I went in with such low expectations that I was pleasantly surprised that there was actually... I just, I didn't know if it was going to just be pool scene, kind of like the room you know, level of badness. Um, And I was like, oh, okay, there is actually, you know, a story here. There are some themes going on. And because it was from, I I know, there's a lot of hands going up on heads at the moment, but you know i've said it before on this podcast and craig will hate me for this but it does remind me a lot of demolition man into the oh i'm i'm so i'm done i'm done goodbye
1: i am honestly
0: losing a drink, by the way craig i realized you never got yourself a glass of water which i felt bad i am honestly (laughs) losing my mind i know i know know. that is
1: insane that you have actually i mean it's it's interesting that you think there's a plot because that is that is a shock to me because to me it's just like oh how can we get as many people naked as possible or sort of thrashing around so it's it's excellent that you think there's a plot <laughs> I, th-
0: I think that's why because I was just like I knew going in I was like right it is the naked film that's all there's going to be so I think because I was so unfazed by that because I knew it was going to be there that I was kind of like I don't know whether I was looking for the-, the deeper context or whatever I don't find that it is a um, artistic masterpiece, and I did find all the hidden gems. And I will say I don't agree with those critics. I don't think it is a satire. I think it kind... That's why I bring up devilisha Man. I think it's a very strange breed of film, and this is why I think I'm a bit more forgiving of it, which is why I mentioned that film. I'm back, by the way. I'm pounding a, I'm pounding a pint of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's just such a weird amalgamation to me in which it's kind of like... It's almost such a parody of itself. It's almost become bulletproof. And so what I mean is that I think if anyone was to try and satirize this, they couldn't because it's just, it's its own joke. Okay, so it's, I do agree with do that. I think it's a bit like The Room in the sense of like, you can't, make fun of the room all you can do is like make a behind the scenes film about the room about how ridiculous it is and i don't think this is to the level of that ridiculousness um though i guess the pool scene could be quite similar to somebody thrusting into somebody's (laughs) chest or hip or whatever tommy was so was aiming for in that film but i don't know maybe it's just again we've talked about it a bunch of times i felt that you know maybe the visuals were winning me over i thought that at least the fact you got somebody who's been on films like total recall robocop i was like I think if this was made nowadays and it just looked like an ugly, digital, kind of like really garish, kind of like too realistic film. I think the fact that it still has that kind of like 90s grain to it. I know Craig hates this argument of like, it looks like Stop a film. Stop
2: defending things that look like movies.
0: But I, I I think it adds to the charm of something. It does add to the charm of something.
1: It aims for a lot of Vegas. Yeah. Like, because like this, you're you obviously introduced these elaborate sets and they're all in sort of like, you know, as your blues and sparkling, you know, And she's got the nails. Obviously, the thing is that she paints her nails mm, yeah. really well. And she always has on like glittery, you know, eyeliner and things like that. Like it's very, it leans very heavy into what we, I would say are sort of stereotypical notions of what a Vegas show is like. And even when they are away from the... The theatre set, you know, even when she goes around to when Nomi goes around to Zach's house, even that's like in your head, if you could draw a sort of stereotypical sort of 90s playboy kind of mansion type of thing, right down to the dolphins in the pool, it's got it. So I think it lives up to what you maybe think of when you think of that sort of 90s Vegas stereotype, um, which is fine, but it is very surface level like the rest of the film. But I will agree with you that I think it would probably be impossible to parody this but only because it is
0: so bad and i think but that's what i'm saying is i think that that kind of like typical viewpoint of like his pad and everything like that it to me adds just a bit of charm which i don't think would have worked if i watched it back in you know like 95 96 i think it's just me looking at it now i'm like oh you know like what, what a time in which at least these films looked nice you know and there was a bit of cinematography there um or there was an illusion to try and tell story through you know, through shots and through visuals and Craig might, you know, sort of sigh at that but it's important, you know, this a very well-versed cinematographer has made this film. I think that is worth mentioning and worth highlighting That's regardless awesome. of whether there's boobs on screen. I think he still makes all the kind of like... The show stuff looks really effective. It's just a
1: volume of boobs Dave, Paul. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying the boobs. I'm not excusing
0: <laughs> the boobs, but the set that they're on is very nice. <laughs> That's. But that just sort of adds to my issue with this film,
2: right? I I agree with you. I think production design and cinematography wise, it's a very it's a very very, like striking film. And I think they do a lot to put it to put a lot of sort of energy into the dance numbers. Even if after a while that the dancing seems needlessly aggressive and weird at times
1: oh it's needlessly aggressive from the start this is what I never understood about this film everyone tells her how amazing she is when there's no fluidity in her movement it looks like she's about to start a fight and she's constantly baring her teeth like, and I don't know again if that was a choice to have this sort of to have her sort of looking more aggressive as opposed to feminine. And maybe it was a, a point about how she sees the industry or whatever. Maybe I'm giving them far too much credit for what's actually happening. Maybe she's just a bad dancer. But even that, I couldn't wrap my head around because she's so sharp and angular and nothing about it. You don't look at it and go, wow, she's a great dancer.
0: Yeah. I did honestly think that they would lead into a kind of like she's an erratic, like throwing herself around and like that would guide that. Um, James would refine her, make her a better dancer, or something like that. And I was like, okay, that never happened. She just continued to like thrash around and like you know, like pop her body everywhere. Which I agree is not not good dancing. Um, but I think I I can kind of I you know I see I I agree with you guys when James had that whole notion of kind of like what what you're doing is no different. But then later on, it's just like, well, what you're doing is no different either. But I I would push back in the sense I do think that what he's trying, what his character, I think what, is the major problem with this film for me, especially is the acting and the performances and a lot of the dialogue that they are giving off. There just seems to be scenes in which again, I'm like, this looks beautiful, but what you're saying is absolute garbage in which they've like run into a scene. And you know, I'm like, Oh, I love what's going on here with the motion of the camera and the cuts and everything. Visually you're telling the story quite well. Like when that kind of singers like uh, poster is there, but what they're saying is just like, it kind of just seems like they're just reading. Here's the script. I'll just say that. Okay, cool. Like, you know, quickly go. I think, you know, that happens a lot. And I think especially with James's character, in which it almost sent, seemed like a kind of like school play to me at times, in which he's just like, You'll, you know, they're saying these kind of like cool, gritty things or things that might look good on paper, but it just comes across as quite like amateur dramatics kind of thing of like, you will never know the true meaning of art, you know, or that kind of thing, which is not a direct quote, but that's just the type of thing of which I think of. But I think... Story wise, I was still like, I think I can appreciate what you're trying to say here in that there is a difference between. No, sorry. What he is saying is that what you're doing at that hotel is no different to what you're doing at the Cheetah, which I think is a decent story to make in that he's just trying to warn her look, you think this is this big glamorous thing and it's no different to what you're already doing. And just
2: undermines it by literally also trying to be a person who is like what you should be doing is doing this individual dance scene that I I wrote specifically for you, which is basically just his ploy for trying to seduce and actively has shown that he's just using it as a pickup line, right? Mm. I, I am a firm believer of message should be informed by the person, character, whatever coming from behind it, right? I cannot buy into something being a critique of one industry when it's actually been done like by such a problematic actor behind the scenes look there are lots of films that i think look i think look pretty but when you actually look at sort of the substance behind it it's quite shocking right there are lots of people who would defend 50 shades of gray in that entire series for looking like a very high production Again, some people do. I don't. I agree with you, Mary, <laughs> shaking your head. I don't agree. But there are definitely people, and there are people that, like, you respect who have definitely said, oh, I thought this was a very
0: yeah, good-looking and they film. Call, called it a polished rat-turd. <laughs>
2: yeah, they called it a polished rat-turd. Um, and it... But that's the problem, right? When I think when people see a lot of very pretty looking things, that often sort of distract. That often sort of distracts them from like the underlying issues, right? And I think insofar as how this film seems to have been constructed, I think there's a lot of effort put into making like sort of like the dance scenes uh, look very very striking, very bold. Like the 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 sex scenes look very very striking and just quite energetic and passionate, even if it just makes no sense because it just seems to distract from they they're just trying to say like this is why the audience are going to be watching this watching this film let's just give them that and then any sort of message behind that I I agree with David I think has been I, I think it's performed quite poorly and I think story wise structured wise there's there's just no anchor for us to fall back on there's no as Mary was saying earlier there's just no moral grounding of character that we can just follow here the closest we get is Molly
0: I was gonna say I I did want to say Molly I think is yeah, yeah but the
2: problem is right until Like she, she, one, she kind of got her into this and then it's like, oh, but don't get too far into this, which is a contradictory message. But then two, angry with her because she knows that she clearly pushed Crystal down the steps, good, is willing to forgive and go to that party and then go right into the sort of like element of the party just because she fancies the singer involved, which again, I'm just like, no, no, you, you, you need to keep a moral consistency here and that's when, like, right at the end, and obviously the horrific thing happens to her, like, just out of nowhere. So yeah, it's it's just hard. It's just hard.
1: There's some elements of it where the story's not new, right? Because I on rewatch of it this time, I was like, oh, it's kind of got elements of All About Eve, the sort of you know young ingenue coming up who's slightly morally dubious and trying to take the place of the the sort of older star. But at least in All About Eve, you you really like. Betty Davis whereas um, Gina Gershon is Crystal Connors of this like but from the minute she's introduced as a character and she's got you know the 80s like square French tips and the terrible lip liner and everyone gets called darling and it's like That's the type of female character that for me, as a woman watching this, I I hate because I hate seeing these sort of like, you know, characters who basically just, you know, use their, you know, flutter their eyelashes to get what they want. Or they are, you know, they sort of kick the ladder away once they've made it to the top so that nobody else can get there. And they're very anti-female in themselves. And I hate those portrayals of, of women. Like if I wanted to watch that, I would literally just go and watch an episode of The Apprentice um and i i really hate that type of female character so again like there is that sort of there is a relatively potentially interesting storyline there as well we're just like why you know why is it that nomi really wants to be this woman because crystal's not a great example of of you know what it is to be a, a successful woman because she's horrible she's horrible to those around her she uses people um and exploits people um and obviously tries to get nomi into a couple of sort of like unsavory situations as well and and tries to destroy her and I, they never really explain that relationship at all they don't really explain why nomi wants to be her other than she's the lead which seems a bit empty but then they also don't really explain why crystal becomes immediately obsessed with with nomi either at sorry i'm just at a loss and my, my thoughts have trailed off because actually there's no plot to this this is just
0: a pornographic <laughs> black it. swan Kind of. Well, they also rem- like I, I like you were saying there, Mary. Reminded me as in a in a way of like a star is born. In some ways as well of that rising stardom and how that kind of like you know goes wrong. But obviously again done a much better way and not as kind of sinister. To and and, and be silly. clear,
2: a star is born is the one who did it in a much better way. Yeah, Just yeah, to, exactly.
0: In case anyone misinterpreted the structure of David's sentence, um, so I think that. But I don't know what where I was willing to give it credit is you know I think you're absolutely right, Mary. I think and that's why films now are showing that better representation and like characters who support other women. I guess the reason I kind of got from it, which is whether that's good or bad, and I think that what the film could have done a better job at, like you said, maybe through characters like Molly what I'm saying is they could have improved this largely through Nami's character through the start and end of this film, not just the whole again like in the truck thing but in terms of maybe showing a bit of her backstory, showing why she's the way she is. I think I struggled to get on board with her also captivated by her character because she's a very difficult character to kind of get invested in because she's just so aggressive, which is like they said, you know, they could just be like, well, that's just who she is. But you know, you kind of want a be a context as to why she's like that. And it's not really until the very, very end of the film in which you hear about her family and stuff, you're like, okay, maybe that explains why she's the way she is. But I didn't see it so much as, like, she wanted to be Crystal. I saw it more as she was, like, constantly, like, I want to prove you wrong and I kind of want to... She took offense at everything she said. Like, she was like, oh, well, no, you're not a very good dancer if you, you know, work there. And it just seemed like she was constantly at odds with her... And she kind of was just... To me, it just seemed like she was just constantly chasing this dream that wasn't there. So why, that's why I didn't mind the story too much in the sense I felt that it was just her pursuit of, like, what was in her head, which, again, the film could have painted better. And all she just realized is that it's a horrible, toxic place. And I think the yes, you can say that, like, well, the film should have done a better job of representing the people within that are more three-dimensional, rounded characters. But also, I was like... The, you know, you can also make the argument that some places are just pure toxic. And I think if you're going to make that message, somewhere like Vegas would be the place to do that in which it's like, these people are not good for you. Get away from there, kind of thing. So
2: I have two sort of responses to this and I promise I'm going to be, I'm going to be calm. (laughs) One, I think it's so far as wanting to emulate Crystal. I think the film does various things to suggest that it's not necessarily a, I want revenge against you, or i want to prove you wrong is very much i am after like the element of you i i just want the fame i want the position it's because they they do portray various moments of like the sexual chemistry between the two anyway so there's definitely a f- the film applies this uh, the attraction uh between them which i think again quite problematic in how it's done is quite like abusive power relation
0: can i just add I will I will say that that is a very confusing element of the film. I think if she was like after her and that's all it was, it would work a lot better. Yeah. But I think the fact that she shows an attraction to her, kisses her at the end, really confuses. Yeah, them. and that's
2: why, the, that's why I think that's purely male gaze involved in that situation, yeah. right? That is very yeah. much the men for, oh, wouldn't it be great if all these sexy women, if they started lusting after each other? Because you're right, there's literally no basis for this.
1: I think the thing is is it I guess so again it all comes down to this whole thing of like basically everyone's got an agenda, yeah. everyone is is horrible. Yeah. But at the same time, you can do that because obviously everyone absolutely raves about succession, myself included. There's not a character in that where you go, oh, I can see myself in, in that character. But just because they're and maybe because it's a series and not and not a film or whatever, but they're so much more fleshed out, there's so much more nuance to it as just opposed to like stereotypical, like catty women or stereotypical sleazy guy with floppy hair or in Robert Davies case you know stereotypical sleazy guy with like pencil mustache and popcorn face it's there's nothing about and that's why I don't understand why come back to that point people think it's satire because it's so two dimensional like there's no there's no way this is operating on a deeper level it's it's exactly like Vegas it's just it's it's all glitter there's there's no substance to it. So the reason they leave Vegas at the end is because they were trying to set it up for a sequel where she went to Los Angeles and had a oh, sort dear. of repeat incident um, which obviously never happened. There is a sequel, it's called Pennies from Heaven mm, yeah. and it focuses on the character Penny Um mm. they get it with the Bob who starts in the uh, the Cheetah Club. Yes. Um, but obviously nobody else came back for this and you know, why would you? I think it pretty much ruined a, ruined a few careers. I just, I struggle with this, this notion that in particular and I'm not saying that so I'm going to be clear on this. I'm not saying that male writers and male directors can't tell good stories from a female perspective. But I think when this is so intrinsically about female vulnerability and what it is to be a woman and to maybe own or not own your sexuality or your body as the case may be, then I think that story does not belong to what feels like it's been written by. It's it's like you've almost said to like fourteen year old boys, like, oh, tell us what you're, you know, what a great idea for a film. They've got oh strippers, and that's kind of what this feels like, as opposed to, you know, maybe perhaps even a more sympathetic treatment of Crystal as a character. How did she get to where she is? Where she's so jaded and horrible that you know, how did she get to that stage? Or you know, why is it that that the. That remember the character's name but she has two kids literally running through the background of the the show or why is it that these women are so set up against each other that they're literally willing to snap each other's bones in order to get a slightly you know to move two inches to the front in a dance routine like that to me is not a story that should be told by two men sorry no
0: and well and i think you're right is you know it's not to say that no men can tell a good story about you know female characters but then history hasn't done a whole good job of then when there have been examples of that. You know, you look at somebody like Joss Whedon, who for a long time people were like, Oh, you did Buffy, you did all this, did all this great stuff. That has very much changed in terms of that narrative now, in terms of like how he is viewed in yep. Hollywood, the way that, you know, he treated um female characters in Justice League and the fact that Gal Gadot would not do like a lot of like the just purely sexist things that he wanted her to do in in that film or the reshoot of that film. Um, and the fact that I think that he told Elizabeth Olsen to cry pretty in Age of Ultron, you know, it's it's that kind of viewpoint that, you know, a lot of male directors, I just tell the people at home that Mary was a mouth like, fuck you, or something like that. <laughs> love, love that. But, uh, Sorry,
1: cry pretty. Yeah. That is honestly one of the, do you know what? I'd almost rather be told to smile more, which does happen a lot. But I'd honestly rather that than, told you know, to cry pretty. That is... Wow, that's
0: gross. So, uh, you know, and again, I think this film is kind of alluding to elements of that, you know, like the whole, like, talking about, like, somebody coming on you and all that kind of stuff They they are making allusions to that this is a seedy horrible world so i i was like well at least there there is that but again it was more of a at least there is that element. yeah but around. it's
2: then also portrayed that he really really cared about her more than others do and i'm just like that's also kind of screwed up mm,
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah because there's so there's the character of zach and the character of james both of whom nomi believes at one point is genuinely invested not just in her career but in her as a as a person and you're sitting watching it going, you know, at various points, depending on the character, like, no, he's lying to you or no, he's a douchebag. And it's so obvious as well. And I think that's... But, do you know what's funny? Because when you log on to Amazon to watch it, it says, drama, camp. And I think it does try to distract you with the... It, it is almost like a sort of sleight of hand trick. It's like, look over here. It's really shiny. where we do all this terrible stuff. And then it really hits you with what happens to Molly. And that, to me, almost... So for me, it's, it's one of the strongest scenes. In fact, no, in fact, it is the strongest scene in the entire film because of its realism. Mm. It's mm. horrific. Mm. And every time I watch it, I feel like a slight panic attack coming on because I, I knew this was coming, obviously, this time around. Um, but I kind of forgot that when she's thrown out of the room, there's like the trail of blood down her leg. Yeah. And it is horrific. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't know what it's doing in this film because it's the one moment where you're really invested in the character, you're. It's awful to watch. I can you can barely watch it. It's so violent. It's so horrific. But what is it doing in a film where literally people are using crystals and sequins to knock their competitors out? Like yeah. it doesn't make sense. It
0: feels very unwarranted. Yeah. yeah, and I think that what didn't help as well is the fact that. You know, there's that character earlier on who's like, you know, oh, uh, you know, it's a thousand pound, you get paid for the day, etc. All that kind of stuff, you know, showing that he's a seedy, creepy character. You have that, like, uh, guy from, uh, is it Korea or something like that? Tha- like, uh,
2: uh, I thought it was uh, Thailand or Taiwan. Yeah,
0: comes up to her and, you know, says about like, ooh, looking forward to the dance, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, to then have just like the only allusion to that character is just that she's obsessed with him, they see that poster. And that's where, like you may hear, I was like, okay, I appreciate that, yeah, this is very realistic and this is very, you know, strong in your messaging because, again, it's it's going down, you know, sometimes I can give things credit to, like, okay, you've been bold, you've been very striking in what your messaging is saying, and this is what I was saying about earlier in t- terms of them thinking that they're being quite kind of, like, bold and evocative with their messaging. So by having it be, like, it cuts back and forth between the party and the, like, you know, the romantic music and she's there, like, dancing with him and then cut into that... Happening, I'm like, this is like horrific, and makes it more horrific. And I think that they're intentionally doing that. And I can't give them too much credit for it because, like you said, one, it just comes out of nowhere. And especially for the character, I think if it was somebody who we'd already seen, but I'm like, where's this guy coming from? How does he represent the sleaze of this industry? I think there's an idea to kind of like, well, you know, we protect our own, and and nobody will know about this, and that's why I I said that I think you know the ending of this film really would have dictated. How much I respected about the story. And I think when like when she slept with uh, the entertainment manager, I thought, well, if there's an element of like she's trying to you know like get one up on on Crystal or she's trying to kind of reveal something later on. And especially once you know Molly is like raped, you know, when she's saying, like, showtime and everything, and she just goes and beats him up. I'm like, really? That was it? You know, I was, like, kind of, like, I thought there was at least going to be some kind of, like, go up on stage and tell everyone, hey, you know, this big singer is a massive, you know, like, sleazebag, rapist, and all these people are involved in it and have protected him. Or, you know, I thought it was leading to something like that, but it wasn't. It was just purely she just went to Molly and it was like, I kicked the shit into him, so I've, I've, I've got redemption for you in that way. I almost felt like Molly was just there, like, the fuck? You know, yeah, like, like, in that bed, because... She, she should also almost be more scared for her friend when she walks out of that hospital than sh- when she entered there.
1: Well, there's that. And I felt like it was a sort of cheesy attempt at female empowerment. Like, oh, look, the men won't do anything about it. So I'm taking it into my own hands and I'm going to kick the shit out of him. But also, yeah, it puts Molly in a more vulnerable position because now she is... So not only is you know her rapist being protected, he knows exactly you know who has beat him up and all the rest of it. So he can quite easily come and... And it's it also just makes Molly more passive and more of a victim because it's not like she has h- had any agency given back to her. It's Nomi that goes and sorts it out on her behalf,
2: which is worse considering the fact that of everyone in the film who is trying to warn about don't get too into this industry, otherwise bad things will happen. It just has to happen to the most level-headed character. So it doesn't even it doesn't even create this idea of these are the seedy individuals you. You deal with if you get in too far it just seems these are the seedy individuals you get involved with at any stage which you're still advocating for which means that i still don't know what the fundamental difference is in the situation well
0: and also what i'd say mary in terms of what you're saying about what what is this doing here and i think again my i'm not justifying this i'm just trying to work out i think and this is why i'm like why was this here and not elsewhere i think what they really should have done is if you wanted to have this kind of illusion to like, look how glamorous and romantic and kind of like idealize this viewpoint is and then look at the grim, dark reality behind the door. One, I would have done that scene in terms like, I think, yes, I watch it and go, okay, I can kind of give you a bit of credit for just how visceral you're being in that messaging. But I would argue if I was in a meeting with you I read that script saying, I think you could have done this exact messaging so much better if you just had him holding her hand, walk in, door close, and that's it. And then maybe just see her afterwards. I'm like, that would be so much more impactful than actually the... Yes, you could say, well, the horror of the event is showing it. It's like, I think, you know, this show, don't tell. I think there is also by not showing something that is very viscerally more striking sometimes, but also... If they wanted to show that whole thing, don't just chuck it like 20 minutes before the end. But if they're gonna do it with the shows and stuff, have that glamour, have all these characters dancing on the stage, and then maybe cut to people in in the audience, maybe touching their wife or you know, like maybe slapping a waitress on the ass. Do something like that to show that element of it, not kind of glorify all of it and then just go at the end, oh yeah, but they're all sleepy.
1: And the problem with but the problem with it is as well is that the whole film is extremely sexually aggressive and so by the time molly gets pulled into that room part of me is almost like and i'm not saying that we in this discussion found it this way but part of me is like is this supposed to be like titivating in the same way that everything else is because everything else is so over the top so hyperbolic so sexual i'm like is this meant to just be part of the show as it were whereas i watched a film age and i Honestly, like, I feel like this film in particular like really, really gave me like a really bad panic attack as to how, oh, I want not say graphic, but it wasn't. There was this, an Australian film called Hounds of Love. It's a really low budget horror, but they did exactly what you did. So it's this couple and they've, abduct, they've abducted this girl and you know from sort of like hints that they're going to basically rape her for an entire weekend and then dutch her body. But instead of showing you anything, they literally just show the couple walking towards the door. You hear her start to scream and then you just hear the door click. You don't need to know what's going on behind the door, and I very much feel the same way with with Molly as well. Especially because she wasn't a character who was directly involved. It's not like she was someone who you know had a bad thing coming her way. She was a costume designer, so she wasn't you know tra- you know trampling all over other women. She was she was actually a helpful character. She was a nurturing character, and instead we just get another display of sexual aggression, but only this time it's an assault, and it just it really stands out for all. I mean. I find it horrific to watch. And I particularly, as I say, find the aftermath where they literally cast it aside. But it just, I don't know why it's in the film. I don't.
0: And it's also, it, it, it it leads me on to think about the morals of the film as well, which is like, you know, again, what I was kind of appreciating at the beginning was this kind of like defiance from Nomi to be like, no, I won't do cocaine. There's several times in which she's like offered that. And again, that's why I think of, you know, other kind of films, which are about success and things going wrong. Um, and how things get, you know, bad. But again, they show the aftermath and the kind of realization of how that gets bad, in which they're like, oh, I have become this horrible monster. What have I done? And that never really happens. But again, because the kind of tragedy that happens, happens to another character. And, you you know, can you really say that it's Nomi, which was like responsible for that, just by taking her to the party? Because again, she didn't seem to take any of the burden of that on herself. It's not like she, it was somebody she was close to, or she advocated to. But in terms of, like, later on, you know, she keeps rejecting drugs. But then, like, when she's with that manager, she just, like, snorts some cocaine and then walks away. And I'm like... Is there any kind of repercussions to this? You know, are you going to have that kind of like, you become Crystal, you're going to become like a mess and that kind of stuff? And it
2: never happens. Not to mention the fact that the police report uh, that they have also implies that she's taken drugs before.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. So she's not because it's almost like she's not become a monster because they read her rap sheet or whatever. So it's like, look, she was a bad character all along. You know, the only thing she sort of does defiantly is eat burgers as opposed to. The brown, brown rice and vegetables yeah. that they keep insisting on. Oh, and what and the even, hell even was that, that was dog just food so thing about
0: I ate dog food. I love it. It was like what? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I
1: don't I don't know if that's supposed to be erotic. That also makes me feel sick, but for different reasons. But even that's very like 90s of like you know, heroin chic was very much a thing at that point. And if you couldn't see every single, you know, bone from your neck down, you were obviously grossly overweight. So even those sort of messagings, but again, it's so on the nose. You just can't look at it and go, oh, wow, what an amazing critique of that industry because she should be able to eat whatever she wants. You can't even look at it like that because it's just, yeah, it's it's too on the nose.
2: And that's the other thing that implied to me as well that she previously was like on heroin or cocaine or whatever. Because I was like, you look pretty well in shape and everyone else is telling you manage your weight. And she's like, no, I'm going to keep eat- eating burgers. And I'm just like... I'm, I'm pretty sure you've taken drugs and that's why you need, like, a massing induction yeah. of calories.
0: Which, again, would, is a shame that they don't either bring that in soon to the film to show why she's defined against it. Because originally I was just kind of like, oh, is it just because she has got a mar- moral s- centre point? She is this character who's quite naive, quite innocent, wants to do the right thing, which, again, is just unfortunate that then... Sorry,
2: sorry. You you see her with, like, a flip knife in a, in a <laughs> cup, and, like, just flipping out over things and your reading of her is naive
0: and innocent well in terms of know drug use or just, well innocent in the sense of like she's innocent to like what the perils are of doing these things so I think the knife thing almost speaks to that of like yeah I can just flip out a knife and nothing will happen there'll be no repercussions similar with you know the art you know the singer which obviously you know doing the kind of right thing in a way there, I just, but it goes to show the kind of arrogance of the character, like the drug use, in which there doesn't seem to be any re- repercussions to it, even though previously she was showing a hesitancy, which I thought, like you said, was more of a kind of like she was a morally better character, that she was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the better person, because I thought they were leading to... Her kind of, you know, revealing the scumminess of this entire place. And the only thing that alludes to that is just her leaving in Vegas, which, you know, again, is also tainted by the fact that the whole sequel thing happened. But
2: I just I just hate the fact they skipped the first six months of her being there. And just, mm. I, I feel like if you're going to have any impact for how this industry necessarily operates, I think you need to actually show how she gets into it in the first place. I think if you're going to have any message rather than just, in that time, she became a stripper. And then she... And then she wanted more.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I'd, yeah, it moves too quickly because, I mean, the the first 10 minutes, though, is, again, so it's so, you know, she literally lo- wins big and loses it all within the first 10 minutes. Like, you could just stop watching there because you know what folks that is the, the plot if we're going to say that there is one it's like you're going to skip right to the top and then it's all going to come crashing down that's it that's the metaphor but even that yeah and then all of a sudden it's like yeah she's working on this really seedy bar for this really you know horrible horrible boss who is just like threatening to I don't know fire people or make them give them blowjobs or whatever and even that you're just like how does this how has she gone from that to to this and she's obviously living with with Molly who again is is painted as this nice person who just helps her because she sees her and she knows that you know it's maybe easy to get swallowed up in a big town like that or whatever but it's just yeah there's there's so many gaps there's so many plot holes there's so many I mean part of me is always like I'm surprised they've not made a prequel to explain how Crystal got to where she got to but I'm not going to put any ideas in anyone's head.
0: Well I think that's where sometimes I do struggle like and you know I agree with you I think it is you know you know badly done I think that's just where sometimes with these type of films I'm like I can give it a slightly bit more credit or I can at least say I've enjoyed it a bit more only because at least they're being a bit more bold or ambitious with the characters or just kind of like it's entertaining me to a degree. It's not boring. That's what I'll say is that, you know, the pace of it, the kind of characters are so larger than life. I'm like, okay, there is some form of entertainment here from that. You know, I think a character like when I listed them in the cast is someone like Hilary Bazoom. I was like, I'm pretty sure I know who this character is. You know, of, of literally like, oh, what if we had this character who literally her like boobs just pop out of her dress, and, you know, and she does this kind of like you know, gag because that's the type of act that she is at that club. And I'm like, probably. But even
1: that, but even that's a comment, right? Because she's not this 90 stick thin woman. Yeah. So of course she's the comedy act. She's the couple, she's the one that comes on and tells jokes or her boobs fall out of her dress because she's not like a size two. And even that got on my nerves as well, because it's, it's so crude in no. its depiction of, oh, nobody could ever desire this woman like that. And, it might as well just have a sign above her.
2: And yeah. the fact that her humour is also the sort of stereotypical sort of borderline disgusting fem.
0: Oh, yeah. And let's not forget the line, which is like, she looks better than a 10 inch dick and you know it, (laughs) which I was like, oh, you know, because I was hoping that the character would be like goes on stage, kind of like gives all of those cheesy jokes to the men, throws it back at them, but then is actually quite a nice sort of like mother figure behind the scenes. she's not she's just there to carry on doing those same jokes they they also portray that as being the motherly figure and then she appears once afterwards and
2: never again yeah
0: so i to be clear mary i'm not disagreeing with you i was using it as an example of yes i think this is what you're going for in this character but and it is an example of being so bold and kind of cartoonish about it but it's just unfortunate that you just don't give them any of the kind of characterization or kind of interesting elements which would actually make this work they are only just the stereotype that you want them to be it
2: just feels like that's the sort of addition that was made by talking to people uh about their experiences but not actually knowing exactly what that looks like right it very for much feels like oh uh, our spirits were lit up because we had this one who would just do the comedy act and but she was uh you know she was quite like male-esque sort of humor um but just get us through and they're just like right okay so she's clearly like a fat older woman, right? Mm. Um, That just felt like sort of it's their interpretation of what people are saying well I
0: think even that would be fine if there was a commentary on it you know that if that realism was there is that you know maybe she was like look I'm only here because like I'm there as a joke you know and there's loads of things I would say
2: if the film did this I'd be fine about it it just doesn't unfortunately (laughs) that's not the great world we live in in this situation we have to deal with it and I
0: think if that character was to be done now again it would be something like potentially like a drag act or something like that maybe even a chance to have a bit of better representation or have a more morally Better character, but yeah, it's just. I'll be, I'll
2: be honest. I'm glad there wasn't that much representation in this film. If only not to drag the reputation of those groups into this film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Let's it's be fair. Very white hetero, and uh, it's very problematic. <laughs>
0: when you look at something like her calling like the dress like oh it's from Vares and you know and I'm like you know that like why didn't they do more with that and, you know and that kind of like that is a of sweet character. I'm going to be
1: with you on this because yeah. I think yeah Maybe yeah. we've all, and that, but again, that hints to a character who's more naive than we find out she is because she says, Yes, it's for, yeah. for what is it she said, for safe, for breasts, whatever she's in the room yeah, to the executives, and they all have yeah. their little chuckle, like, Oh, look at yeah. her from Bumblefuck Nowhere. Like, yeah. she obviously doesn't know designer clothes. Yeah. But actually, given that her rap sheet, and he says, You've always had a taste for the finer things, which means she must have known what Versace she was. It doesn't even make sense to the later reveal. And, but, but it's annoying because it is a kind of, It is a more relatable moment. We've all all tripped over our words and we've all, you know, pronounced a word wrong or whatever. But it doesn't... But again, it doesn't make sense to the rest of the character.
2: Yeah, it's the film's My Fair Lady sort of moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, bizarre that they don't... Like, they don't... They choose, like, oh, well, what if she was this? What if she was that? You know, it's just just erratic things. One thing I cannot condone as well, and like I said, there's many times... Oh, we've found it. (laughs) Is it
1: Kyle McLaughlin's hair? Because I can't condone that either.
0: Well, that I just saw as a vain... Attempt at replicating Joey from friends, potentially. I was like, Do you just want him to be Matt LeBlanc? (laughs) Like, that's all I saw him as maybe trying to look like him. He he does look a bit like Matt LeBlanc. You're right. So, uh, No, is when i you know i was like okay i appreciate that you know you're not going complete like you know like we know we're not supposed to touch you blah 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 all this kind of stuff and you know she's trying to resist it. again i you know i i agree she definitely then has actions which go against that she was at least resisting certain drugs and and certain attitudes where they're like let's go party let's go do this and she was like no i won't do it but when she's in that car with james and she's eating that burger and she just chucks the wrap out of the the car i was like i will not condone litter this is not right (laughs) Oh, you're su- you are such a a little weasel, I swear to God. No, but to be clear, I'm th- sorry.
1: You're confused about her dying on the hill of the ice caves. How are you dying on the hill of letting? Like This is the least problematic. I'm not saying that's film. the most
0: problematic. To be clear, I'm just saying that was the moment in which I was like, you know what, no. David? I need to check at this point. No, uh, are, saying are you- I I I was like, oh, I I appreciate that you were rejecting drugs. I appreciate that she was not like trying to go down the dark I path. I love how you actually you're
1: actually, you're actually pointing right now. as yeah, like, yeah. Is are going to get her into trouble?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but once she threw that litter, then I knew she was a bad egg. That's what I'm saying. So then the, the latest stuff then made more sense.
1: I have to say, of all the takes I've ever heard on showgirls, this might just be the weirdest. Is this
2: your Paul Cornish moment? You knew everyone's going to come into this hating you. So like, I'm, I'm for the
0: sake of content, I'm going to take a perspective. I have is- never said that I didn't, I justify anything else you've said. And this is the only thing I have problem with. That's I just thought it was worth highlighting amongst everything else.
2: Oh, in case anyone was just like in the comments, like I find it really problematic. You didn't talk about the one random scene of littering in the middle of last fucking Vegas where like a single burger wrapper is what literally a drop in the ocean of like the kind of crap that those people do this
0: shows her, her attitude as a character you know she's just a very reckless person who doesn't think about the environment but she's in so you know i wasn't surprised when she pushed that person down the stairs because i'm gonna she... hit you yeah. i swear to god <laughs> to be clear i'm just saying this because you guys have covered so well the other problematic things i just like it's not a contest dave you don't need to be like in order for me to have a position on this
1: podcast I need, I need to
2: have a unique <laughs> selling point here
1: yeah we can just all agree that the film is terrible there's no plot the rape scene's unnecessary and that honestly if i was kyle mclaughlin's agent i would have fired him after this like that's That's the key takeaways, right?
2: Okay, take those cassettes, rewind them and play them again because it's time for VHS Corner. Because what we needed in this episode is more of David talking about this film. And that's exactly what we're going to get. I've asked David to look at the behind the scenes film. So David, tell us how many pieces of trash were uh, discarded, how much recycling, how much energy was used by every single one of those Vegas
0: stage productions. What did you find for us this week? Uh, there were no dogs or cats represented in this film. And that was sad. No. I swear to God. <laughs> joke it. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. What's it that? was a dog! So it was Just a dog!
1: Neither for yeah. You didn't even su- see a stray in the streets or anything. I thought there was one
2: dog.
0: Vegas is a cruel place, I told you. That was the messaging <laughs> they were going for. So, right. So, the first thing, we've talked a lot about the legacy of this film and people sort of, like, giving it praise and reevaluating evaluating it, etc. Something interesting, Mary's already mentioned the strange sequel, but there's also a small kind of documentary film uh, called You Don't Know Me lol from 2019 (laughs) which traces the film's redemptive journey from notorious flop to cult classic and maybe even masterpiece their words not mine it is directed by Jeffrey McHale and uh, yeah has a lot of segments which like you know takes interviews from uh, some of the people involved uh, which are sort of also involved in the career of uh, of the director, etc. Going back to when the film was released, uh, when the film swept the 16th annual Razzie Awards, I know, shocker, Paul Verhoeven turned up in person to accept Worst Director and Worst Picture. He was the first director to ever turn up to collect the award. Um, wow, now we've, we've talked a lot about like people's experiences, po- talking about like them interviewing uh, people from this uh, industry, uh, but thankfully... There wasn't any complaints of actual kind of like misbehavior or anything to do with the nudity in this film. The only time actresses complained that they felt uncomfortable was during the scene with the monkeys who constantly stared at their breasts. Which also, by the way, was the most '90s thing for them to do was just a bunch of monkeys running yeah. to. There into was a,
1: there again, so almost like the erotic thriller. I feel like there was a period in time in the '90s where every sort of film had a monkey sidekick. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I'm like was like Michael Jackson's. Pet like that, popular that they were like, right, let's go all in on monkeys. So, as of 2020, Showgirls is the highest grossing NC 17 film of all time and is the most expensive uh, to be made with a US budget of 45 million and the only NC 17 film to ever be given wide distribution. uh, And that's in about 1,400 theaters. As you mentioned, it swept the Razzie Awards um, and in that time, they attempted to remarket it as a midnight cult flick a la the Rocky Horror Picture Show. A new print ad with leopard skin patterned background and prominently mentioned in the film's seven Razzie wins ran in several LA area newspapers, promoting midnight showings in West Hollywood. Clever though it was, this new marketing gimmick also failed at the time. However, since then the movie has indeed a significant degree of a cult following, uh, with fans showing up in showgirls-themed attire at screenings of the movie. Several inform- Mitchell filmmakers such as Quentin Tarantino, Jim Jarsmush, and Jack Rivette have professed their appreciation of the movie. Screenwriter Joe Ezteris and Paul, Paul Verhoeven, the director, both claim that they frequently meet people who secretly admit they loved the movie. The critical re evaluation of the film even inspired author Adam Neyman to write the novel It Doesn't Suck, in which he makes a case for the movie being an actual masterpiece.
1: Can I ask a question? I've obviously got the leopard print on tonight. Oh. What is um, Showgirl-themed attire? How does one turn up to a midnight screen? What are you supposed to. There's not much clothes involved in that. We'll
0: film. get to it. Just note it down as one of the many things we have to react to in these facts. Uh, Kyle McLachlan, you'll be glad to know there's some representation to you, Mary, uh, later records seeing the film for the first time at the premiere and said. I was absolutely gobsmacked. This is horrible, horrible. And it's a very slow sinking feeling when you're watching the movie and the first scene comes out and you're like oh, that's a really bad scene. But you say, well, that's okay. The next one will be better. And you somehow try to convince yourself that it's going to get better and it just gets worse. And I was like, wow, that was crazy. I mean, I really didn't see that coming. So at that point, I distanced myself on the movie. Now, of course, it has a whole other life as a sort of inadvertent satire. No, satire isn't the right word, but it's inadvertently funny. So it's found its place. It provides entertainment, but not in the way I think it was originally intended. It was just maybe the wrong material with the wrong director and the wrong cast. A lot of what we've mentioned there. Going back to directors, a source once told Paul Verhoeven that Steven Spielberg had requested a copy of the movie after the premiere. Reportedly, Steven Spielberg stopped watching halfway through the movie while saying, sometimes I hate this town. (laughs) Uh, so when the film tanked on its opening weekend, writer Joe Azarantes took the unprecedented step of taking out an ad in Variety, urging female moviegoers to go see the movie, not because it was semi-pornographic, but it highlighted the expectations that lap dancers are subjected to. He attacked the studio for using cheap marketing tricks where they used the tagline, leave your inhibitions at the door to sell the film as a cheap sex movie. Needless to say, this tactic didn't help the, help the film anyway. <laughs> And then just some slight stuff on what Paul Verhoeven has said since. uh, In a 2013 interview, he explained his motives for doing the movie. He did not like uh, Joe's original script and passed on the project in favor of doing the crusade uh, based on screenplay by Wallen Green and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. However, that project fell through, um, fell through when Carl Octo Pictures could not afford to finance it. Uh, since $10 million had already been spent on Crusade, uh, Zarin f- received $4 million for his Showgirls screenplay. Verhoeven felt morally obligated to do Showgirls as a personal favor to Mario Kassar to save Carl o- Carol Occo from bankruptcy, which is the film studio. Uh, the writer's screenplay was extensively rewritten with all about Eve as the main source of inspiration. Verhoeven intended it to be an over-the-top morality tale populated with only amoral characters except for the character of Molly, with Las Vegas as a metaphor for hypocrisy and extortion. However, the satirical intentions were not picked up by the critics who regarded the movie as a simplistic portrayal of American culture, and the box office failure of both this movie and Cutthroat Island made the bankruptcy of Carl inevitable. So the film studio still fell through anyway. So a lot of stuff we were talking about there, and reactions, and different uh, kind of legacy things, which, uh, yeah, have also been echoed throughout time. Craig, you were uh, sort of uh, putting your hands in your head uh, or yeah, head in your hands a few times during he that.
2: He didn't want to make the film and then did it as a favour. <laughs> if that doesn't scream of everything that we've just, everything that I've represented about this film, I don't know what else to, because it's one thing to have a a, a problematic image of yourself despite the fact you shouldn't and just put it out there. It's another thing. If you didn't want to do it in the first place and you're press ganged into doing it,
1: why? Why? Oh my gosh. Just to be clear, if he had stuck to his guns, we wouldn't have had to watch this. Yeah. We would have been saved a whole two hours. Or Mikey's, I think maybe four or six. I can't remember how many times I've actually seen
0: it. Well, it would have saved us two hours and it would have saved Steven Spielberg about an hour and a half from, <laughs> from the sounds of it. Yeah, thankfully he wasn't in that list of directors. I wasn't surprised Quentin Tarantino was no, in. I'm there. really I was like, not surprised. if like, we know you, Quentin, you have a bit of uh, some weird ideas of uh, attractiveness, et cetera. So I also that just, didn't surprise me. I also
2: just love the fact that they, they realize, oh, guys. Women aren't watching this film. We need to do something about. And part of, part of their marketing was just attacking the original marketing. Because if we learned anything from like how, you know, people who worked on cats advertise cats, it's nothing that sells a movie more than actively trashing your own work.
0: We call it the cordon. I'm assume- <laughs> I'm assuming, Mary, that you enjoyed at least uh, Karma McLaughlin's reactions to the film.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad that. Um- he he re- recognized really quickly that it that it was shit. Um, I think that's important for him redeeming himself in in my eyes, because obviously he won't be able to sleep knowing that I fell out of love with him for a couple of years um <laughs> after seeing this the first time around. Um, yeah, it just seemed like a weird choice like for for him as an actor because it I would say he was probably apart from obviously Elizabeth Berkeley, because as I say she was freshly sure received by the bell. he must have been one of the, if not the biggest name in that film at the time which means presumably a lot of the marketing maybe piggybacked on his sort of fame and success and just to sit there and watch your own film and know that it's terrible (laughs) I can't even imagine how that must feel
0: it's been clear what people's reactions have been to this film. So this might be the quickest movie vault ever. Um, but yeah, we now go to the part of the podcast where uh, we go to the movie vault, which we like to think of as a time capsule of memorable movies for someone to dig up in the future. So should showgirls from nineteen ninety five gain the honor of a place in our movie vault and be remembered for all time. If I was to build any type of tension here, I could only say that bad films have gone in before, like The Room and Good Luck Chuck. But yeah, I dunno. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ah, Craig, I'm assuming it's a straight no. Clearly it's a no for me. I think A, this is part of a genre which doesn't really exist to the fullest extent, and B, the worst version of that genre should not exist at which point i don't think that this is a film that should be remembered should be remembered i think that if you're going to go for the erotic filler basic instincts i think exists i think if you're going to look at the critique uh of sort of vegas and the ways in which uh like industry workers of all of all different levels are treated i think there are things done specifically from their perspective what
0: Sorry, I thought you were gonna say like Elvis and I was just gonna go like point like that's what I thought you could say.
2: No, but that's a bit different though. I'm I'm specifically talking about sex workers in this Okay, situation. right, okay, sure. Um unless you want to really make a case <laughs> for why Elvis is <laughs>
0: But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a no from me, fam. Not surprising. And I I guess Mary, like Craig was saying there, if there was to be that list of, you know, like successful erotic thrillers, et cetera, you might be there like here is the list here you know here are the ones that you would sort of recommend yeah, but but as far like as this said, is concerned I say, I assume it's it's a no maybe
1: oh it's a it's a hard no it's, it's burn all the copies it, <laughs> it attempts to show um exploitation but is in itself exploitative I am um, and, and the thing is you get laughs right you do the pool scene will forever live in my memory it's some <laughs> of the worst sex I have ever 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 seen. By two, like aesthetically pleasing people as well. That's what makes it so bad. But yes, um, I don't think anyone else should ever have to be subjected to Paul Verhoeven's showgirls. So it's a it's a no from me.
0: Do you know what I also find really funny about the pool scene and, and to a degree the the representations of sex in this film essentially, apart from her and James, are just her and that uh I can't remember his name now, like the, the manager character. So yeah, every exactly. time you see yeah sex happening it's her and him and both representations are equally bad and unsexy especially the first one which is not exclusively to this film but this seems to always be that kind of like idea of like oh yeah look how like hot and like exotic this is that this woman is like made this man like climax like really quickly jumping on his lap it's like i think if that played today usually it'd be more of a like oh that's disappointing kind of moment not this kind of like crystal walking away like yeah that was great and i'm like was it (laughs) like uh, the fact that He's just walking away from that. I was like, that's yeah, kind of disgusting, like knowing what, what's happened there. But yeah, the pool thing, I just can't even fathom what they were thinking. What was what was sexy about that? What was happening? I don't understand. Maybe this was a dance sequence of some form. She was so erratic throughout. But yeah, you know, even though I was kind of justifying some elements of this and I was kind of saying that, you know, I enjoyed some of the like boldness and lunacy. You know, I think ultimately, yes, I agree with everything you guys have said. You know, I think that yes, there was the case for maybe some things were a bit more like, oh, well, there was some maybe moral character with Molly, etc. But no, I definitely agree that you know it's it's bad representation. The characters are very cheesy and cliched, and and bad versions of that. You know, the story's all over the place. Um, you know, it doesn't really have a good sort of like moral center or kind of like conclusion, um, and. Its nudity and stuff isn't really used for effect, apart from just like, oh, it's it's nudity. Go see it because of that. So you know, while you know, I, I was somewhat entertained by the story, etc. I don't think it's it's strong enough of like you know, it's so bad it's good, or you know, of any kind of like build up to anything we got in the future to to recognize. So not into the movie vault. Uh, this week uh, for show so showgirls. much for the quickest uh, movie yeah. vault ever. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought you guys were just going to go no, <laughs> and then that would be it. <laughs> so yeah, not into the movie vault for showgirls. Uh, but do you disagree at home? Are you Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> Let us know.
1: We're in the end game now. Oh, no. It's so
2: Okay, end game time. So this is a game simply called Sex Appeal. Basically, I feel like we all deserve a little bit of a, cle- uh, a palate cleanser. I feel that this film to some degree has made us feel dirty, whether that's like for myself and Mary morally or for David insofar as litter on the road. Um <laughs> I couldn't I obviously just had to plan that intro now. There's no he did not tell me that was a stance for his, but basically, what I've done is I found a I found a list which has uh which doesn't rank, it just talks about the 100 sexiest movie characters of all time. And for each character, they've got a description of that character and the trait that makes them sexy. What I appreciate about this is that it's not always physical. There are sometimes things that they do or like emotional attributes that makes them sexy. And that I think is important because we do not always support positive looking people so basically what I'm do- going to do is I'm going to read out the description and the traits that makes them sexy. And I want you basically, very simply, what film is this character that I'm talking about from?
1: Okay.
2: Sometimes it'll be a bit more difficult to work out. Sometimes there will be something quite, quite explicit that will make it very clear okay. who it is. This is, going, uh, this is going to be... Both of you will answer every question. So this is like each round I will alternate who gives me their answer first. If you're okay. if you're right, you get a point. If you're wrong, you don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone clear on the rules? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. But as always, we need to work out exactly what it is we'll be playing for. And as usual, our guests or David will have the opportunity to choose what film we discuss on the next episode. It can be one of their choices or it could be mine. And for change, we'll start with mine. This film had obviously a lot of dancing and we've discussed the degree to which a lot of that dancing seemed quite aggressive and quite intimidating at times, especially, say, the choreographer scene screaming like the frost, frost or whatever it was he was screaming. So what I decided is I wanted to have a film about dancing to its core that specifically looked at the power of dancing for good. I feel that we need this. I think we need some positive nostalgia Uh, As opposed to this, which has like a different form of nostalgia, you know, for for teenage Craig. Take of that what you will. Um, (laughs) But specifically, I wanted to choose a film that has the power of dancing for good. So if you win, you can choose my film or you can choose one of your own. So let's start with Mary. Tell us a little bit about your film. Oh, my film's from 1984, by the way.
1: So I was really torn between uh, a couple of films, but the more I think about it, the more I'm leaning towards this one. So this is a film from 2016. The director, I think, is quite divisive. I think you either like their content or you don't. Uh, so I feel like that's kind of ties into Paul Verhoeven. But essentially, it is another sort of expose of following your dreams, I guess. Um, but it's much, much better in comparison to showgirls and it also is an excellent horror
2: okay interesting i thought i knew what it was but then i got completely thrown by that bit
0: that's that's happened to you a few times recently hasn't
2: it yeah so we have the horror film talking about uh following your dreams sometimes being a bad thing and finally david tell us about your film
0: so my film is from 2004 and my connection to showgirls is that rather than following some of the same kind of like elements of entertainment or types of characters that we have in this film I wanted to dramatically get away from all of that but looking at you know what make you know what are they doing in Showgirls what are the type of actions they're doing and as we said there is dancing and to dance you need to have a lot of flexibility so this film focuses on very big flexibility and if you're talking about female characters. I can't think of any female character that is better representation of this. Like if we want to go down the better representation of female characters, this one knocks everything else outside of the park. It's very different. I would say we were talking about the kind of style of Vegas. This is another film which nothing to do with Vegas, but it does go heavily on its style, but is very effective in terms of creating a time and a setting. And yeah, it's just a very fun, good time. Brings everyone together. Has a bit of po- body positivity in it to some degree. Uh, having characters come out of their shell and they're using their kind of like attributes to their advantage and just being, yeah, a great uh, kind of woo sort of story.
2: Interesting. So we have the range of films from 1984 to 2016 to 2004. Will it be David's? Will it be Mary's? Will it be mine? We will find out by the end of this game. So, are we ready for the first description of our sexy, sexy character?
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. The character. I thought you were going to say that was the game of the sexy, sexy game. (laughs) (laughs) You you need to stop. Um,
2: Okay, character one. An all-American man of action whose ability to dispense with bad guys is matched only by his love for his family. He might not always know how to show it, but his heart is firmly in the right place. Sexiest quality? Willingness to walk across broken glass, literally, to rescue his wife from danger. Girl, Oh, I thought I knew this from the first
1: sentence and now I've got no idea.
0: Could you repeat, could you say, not like you don't have to say the sexiest quality one, but the, the bit before? An
2: all-American man of action whose ability to dispense with bad guys is matched only by his love for his family... He might not always know how to show it, but his heart is firmly in the right place. And for those at home who assumed this was going to be all female characters, shame on you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, the name of his, but he escaped me. Uh, John Krasinski in the film about (laughs) monsters and they can't make a sound or a noise. John Krasinski's character in... In
1: I know the name of the film now.
2: (laughs) A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. It is not. Oh. It is not A Quiet Place. I was thinking
0: walking over glass, but maybe I'm thinking of who walking on her nail.
2: Okay, and Mary, you said you pass, right? Or do you want to? Yeah,
1: because I was thinking, is it the first John Wick or something like that? But no, it can't be. I don't think he walks on glass in that.
2: Okay, so we've got John Krasinski, John Wick. They are both incorrect. Of course they are. (laughs) Ironically... The character's name is John. It's John McClane from Die Hard.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Character number two. The free spirit to Natalie Portman's contrast, who plays very hard indeed. How much of her persona is actually created by Portman's subconscious is up for debate, but her sex appeal most certainly is not. Sexy is quality. Vincent Cassell's leery dance maestro put it best when he snarls, she's not faking it.
1: Yeah, I think
0: I've got it. Okay, we'll
2: start with David
1: then.
0: It's a Mila Kunis in Black Swan.
2: So you're going Black Swan? Mary? Yeah,
1: Black Swan. Vincent Cassel's definitely
2: in that, eh? And you are both correct. It is Black Swan it is the character of Lily who is indeed played by Mila Kunis.
0: Yeah. As soon as you said, like, the image she's making of her, I was like, yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's one point each. Character number three. The suave bar owner who finds his world turned upside down by the re-entry into his life by his beautiful ex. Sexiest quality? His sheer sense of humour. As he packs I- Isla back onto a plane, giving her up in order to help the Allies win the war. Damn. Ooh. Okay, Mary.
1: Is it Casablanca?
0: You're going Casablanca, David. I was also thinking Casablanca. Yeah? Yep. Not just piggybacking? No, literally, it's like as soon as you said barman, I was like, okay, well, how's a barman? But then as soon as you said sending on a plane, I was like, sort th- of the end scene of Casablanca.
2: Is it Casablanca? Yeah, it's Rick Blaine from Casablanca. So that's two points each. Next character. Intensely. Perhaps not everyone's cup of tea, but there's no denying the undead heartthrob has a certain effect on a certain age group. Could do with a little bit more sun mind. Sexiest quality? His brooding intensity. Why smile when you can scowl? I feel
1: like there's a funny answer to this, serious <laughs> answer.
2: I-, I feel like they might be one in the same.
0: <laughs> oh. Mm, that makes me feel that I might be wrong. Well
2: what were you thinking, David?
0: Uh yeah, I yeah, all I think of is Nicholas Holt in Warm Bodies.
2: So you're going Warm Bodies, Mary?
1: Okay, I thought the funny answer to this would be Nosferatu, but the serious answer maybe Gary Oldman's Dracula.
2: So, is it warm bodies? Sadly, not. Is it Dracula? No. It is a vampire. Oh. It's Edward Cullen from Twilight.
1: Oh, God. Oh, he is not sexy. And
0: that's not what you think when you think undead. Yeah, that's why I thought zombie. I was like, and hence why this is meant to be a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to say this sparkling
2: vampire, then
1: you're.
0: <laughs> yeah. Straight away.
1: That's fair. Gary Oldman is hot as Dracula. I feel like that's, that, that is a right answer that. I would love to see
0: Mary's kind of like vampire hotness scale. like Gary like they- Oldman above like Edward Cullen and all teenagers. To be fair,
2: when we're talking about it has a certain effect on a certain age group, doesn't have to be teens. It could have been like this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's after four characters, two points each. Character number five. Sexiest of all the Disney princesses. She's a feisty young woman who won't be forced into marrying for status or political position. Good for her! Sexiest quality? Her refusal to be
0: impressed by assisted showboating. I mean, when you you said the first bit, I was like, this could be any of them. But I think the second part is maybe.
1: Yeah, I think I've got it.
2: Okay, so we'll start with Mary this time.
1: Is it Jasmine from Aladdin?
2: Is it Jasmine from Aladdin? David.
0: Uh, well, I, yeah, I actually my thought was Belle because of Gaston in terms of showboating, but yeah. where it could be argued that she, well, Jasmine could also be argued that they still went down that path anyway. But... So
2: one of them is correct. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so no. we're going to get our first divergent in points. The character I was talking about was Jasmine. Oh, <laughs> well the part that I. That I left out was uh, she refused to be impressed by Prince Ali's genie-assisted showboating. Oh
0: ah, okay. I was thinking ah, that okay. they were talking about that guy who was like hoped that oh, the, the food. F- no, the, <laughs> the, in terms of J- uh, Aladdin, I thought uh, it was talking about the guy who wished that uh, Aladdin's fleas would. Oh, mourn the uh, uh, Prince <laughs> Yes, yeah. Oh, uh, just I'm
2: just thinking of twisted now. Yeah. I want to rewatch that show at some point. Okay, so we're at three to two. Still everything to play for. I I can't give you this one immediately because I was going to make the awful pun of going from show boating to actual boating because the next character on this list is Jack Dawson from Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Another of Tarantino's Avenging Angels and his prettiest one by far. Her eventual revenge is operatic in its intensity. Sexiest quality? Her pure focused fury. We like her when she's angry.
1: Yeah, I can't remember the character's name.
0: That's fine. You just need the you just need the
2: film.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. I
0: think. So, so David, I think by the fact of saying about operatic and fury, I'm going to go for Kill Bill.
2: So you're going for the obvious one. Yeah. Eric,
1: well, I was going to go for Inglorious Bastards. A uh, the character of Shoshana. That.
2: On okay, so again, one of you is correct. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you the character so you'll so you'll know okay. a little bit. So the character described as the prettiest avenging angel by far is Soshana Dreyfus from *Inglorious Bastards*. Oh. That's another point. Ready?
0: If it was like *The Bride*, I was like, yeah.
2: <laughs> Next up. A genuine tough guy with a fine line in a crowd wowing dance moves sounds like the total package for us. Sexy is quality. His fiercely protective nature. Because nobody. Dot dot dot.
1: Okay, it's got to be.
0: Can you can you say it again? Sorry.
2: A genuine tough guy with a fine line in crowd wowing dance moves sounds sounds like the total package for us. Sexy is quality his fiercely protective nature because nobody dot dot dot
1: i'm confident in my that i've got this one right yeah
0: (laughs) so all eyes are on you david at this point (laughs) is it my, my turn to be first or is it well
2: otherwise but, you're going yeah. to hear mary's and just go yeah. oh yeah that's right yeah, that's true yeah, i'm yeah. like a i mean I'm my like
1: confidence a, might be misplaced let's not kid ourselves i'm, I'm like right. a lion
0: with antelope i target the weak ones
1: <laughs> <laughs> um
0: i don't know there's a few things that popped into my head well one thing that popped into my head that's actually kind of weird if that was if people picked that so i'm going to go with footloose kevin bacon you're going for footloose
2: mary i
1: think it's johnny from dirty dancing
2: Nobody puts baby in the corner. It is dirty dancing.
1: Uh,
0: This
2: is where being male has to let me down. (laughs) Next up. But going into this, it's five to two. The character that introduced this actor to an army of flustered fangirls. He is a bit of a cad who finds his heart melted uh, by Julia Stiles' cat. Aww. Sexiest quality? His willingness to make a bit of a tit of himself in the name of love, as demonstrated by his stadium set sing along.
1: Yep. See, if you were never a teenage ghetto, just as to now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is this like Jerry Maguire or something? You're going for Jerry Maguire.
1: 10 Things I Hate
2: About You? Things I Tell David Regularly.
0: Yep, it's 10, <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> At first, I was like, "Wait, me and Mary getting points in an end game? This this is going well, way too well." Let's like,
1: just cherish small moment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, the product of a stack of old playboys and some questionable science, Lisa is the pop sock-wearing girl dream of teenage nerds Wyatt and Gary. Sexiest quality, her seeming disinterest in getting fully dressed, vest, pants, socks, and we're done that's not me just giving up that is literally what it says in the article
0: uh i think i might have an idea just based on the plot of this okay
2: so we'll go to mary first
1: in which case i'll have to pass it over clue
0: so you have no idea is this weird science has he got the point yes yes Like, this is kind of like the, being a male has helped. It's like, wait, a film in which two men construct a robot woman? It's like, I know what this yeah, is. Yeah, it's
2: almost as if I have to be. I have to balance this uh, <laughs> game ever so slightly. So it's five to three. We have three left. As hapless every men go, Cary Grant's bemused hero is a pretty cool customer. Others may seduce him for their own ends but it is surely no hardship for them. Sexiest quality? His ultra-dry sense of humour as demonstrated by his performance in the auction room. And this is one of my favourite films, believe it or not. Auction Room.
1: That's what's thrown me. Yeah. I thought it was one of two other films, and now I'm not sure.
2: So what films did you think it was?
1: I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was um, Chirides or bringing up baby so i don't think any
0: of them have an auction scene in that do they oh okay yeah i'm just like completely blank i just think carrie grant was mentioned. That. i'm like can i think of any films right now which have her in it
1: i mean he is suave and gets women in like every film so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, um, i can't even think of film ferris bueller's day off
1: <laughs> okay oh actually is it the philadelphia story
0: it is neither of those, but I, I, uh-huh. I, I just want to, I just
2: really want to focus for a minute on
0: Ferris Bueller's day off.
1: <laughs> Cary
0: Grant. I know, I was like, I know this isn't Cary Grant, but I was just, like, just going fil- to make, who's f- been in various
2: Hitchcock films.
0: <laughs> I was like- this is a Hitchcock film. How do you not get this? <gasps> it's oh. yes,
1: north by northwest it's
0: north <laughs> by northwest oh, a kitchcock damn. fan no it's just because damn, Ma- damn, mary had mentioned damn. like teen heartthrob things earlier and i was like i'm just gonna go for one of those just you know well, some might call that a
1: mistake i, I honestly thought it would be a rom-com because it was about him being seduced i never think of north by northwest as like a film where you actually focus <laughs> on Cary grant as being like hot <laughs> that's what's thrown me. Yeah.
0: Running from the plane, like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the penultimate question.
2: Okay. So, just to let you all know if Mary scores one more point, Mary wins. Mm-hmm. If Mary doesn't, but David gets both of these right, we go to a tiebreak. Right.
1: Excellent.
2: So, it's still everything to play for. The character Teenage Rebellion has never been performed with such a glint in the eye as this guy, the Rascal's Rascal sexiest quality sorry this is a word i've never seen before it's preternatural ability his preternatural natural ability to land on his feet life just seems so easy for him
1: i get a definition of what
2: preternatural Preternatural is just uh beyond what is normal or natural Uh so it's actually fine so it's Everything seems to work out for this character, and in the course of this film, various, various chaotic things happen. And he seems to come out relatively unscathed every time.
1: Sorry, can you read the start of it again? Sorry,
2: Uh, Teenage Rebellion has never been performed with such a glint in the eye as by this character. The Rascal's Rascal.
1: I'm torn between two now.
0: Yeah, I had two, but... (laughs) i think i have to just go for the one for the lols
2: what's the one you want to go for, for the lols ferris bueller's day off <laughs> jesus christ so david's going ferris bueller's day off mary
1: yeah well i wasn't sure if it Well, actually may have got three in my head i wasn't sure if it was a martin mcflying back to the future Johnny death and cry baby or james dean and giant
0: okay well you so will we'll have, have to there was another one, one which was in my head as well which was none of those so i thought which might have been one of yours but
2: Okay, which one are you going to go for? Oh,
1: oh do you know what? I'll go for a uh, Market Flying Back to the Future because he always lands on his feet and they, always, they make a focus of his trainers and his hoverboard. So I'll go for that.
2: Okay. One of you is correct.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I think I know.
2: <laughs> the correct film is David. What do you think the correct film is? Is it Back to the Future? It's Ferris Bueller's Day. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was Excellent. Craig's reaction, the laugh. I was like, no, I haven't got this. So I was just like... It's called acting, David.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've so willed it into pain. So we go into the final, final question. Mary on five, David on four. Oh, God. This is the closest David has been <laughs> in a while. <laughs> okay. The character. Anne Baincroft's predatory older lady who sets her sight on Dustin Hoffman's titular hero... And refuses to look elsewhere until she has him in her bed. Sexiest quality? The thing which was missing in all of Showgirls, her sexual authority. As shown by the way she toys with Hoffman like a cat playing with its dinner.
0: Pretty sure I know. Yeah. Yeah. David? It's just if the freaking name of the
1: film comes oh, to right. me.
0: <laughs> it is Oh, what is it?
1: I'm no doubting myself that I've got the title of this, correct?
0: Yeah. I might have to pass on the note that I think once Mary says it, I'll be like, oh, for God's sake. Okay, so but, you're, you're going to pass. Um, oh, it's like there on the like edge of my brain. It is Mr. Nice Guy. I
2: don't know. <laughs> so David's answer is Mr. Nice Guy. Mary?
1: I'm doubting myself. Is it the gadget?
0: I think it is,
2: yeah. And here's to you,
1: Mrs. Robinson.
0: It's The Graduate. (laughs) Yeah, I do it.
1: But honestly, because you were taking so long, I was like, okay, well, it obviously can't be. Yeah, it's because then, I, I said like Jerry
0: that's... Maguire earlier, and I was like thinking in my mind it was a name, and I was like, but it was like the graduate. Like you I were knew... thinking of the song Miss yeah, You, Mrs. Robinson, probably, and, because I thought of like driving Miss Daisy as well. That was in my mind, and I was like, is this something to do with Mi-? which I know is not <laughs> that film, But I was like, is it Mrs. Robinson, Miss Daisy, or something like that? So which is I was like, uh. Forever. Well,
2: with a respectable end score of David on four, we have our winner of today's end game, which is Mary on six. I'll
1: take that. I'll
0: take that. (laughs) How do you feel?
1: Oh, elated. I don't, honestly, like, I, I feel like every time I come on here, I disgrace myself in the end game. So now I've been redeemed.
0: I think both of us came into it being like, well, at least I'm against Dave or at least I'm against Mary. But then we both came out okay. So I think that we both, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've redeemed both, both respectable. ourselves. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you have given some absolutely fantastic
2: moments. <laughs> yeah. Like the Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> <Yeah>. Off. <on. laughs> so before we move on, I would like to thank the author of the article that I was using, which was from gamesradar.com. Uh, if you want to lo- learn who they have as the hundred sexiest movie characters of all time, do look it up. It was very useful for this game. Now, on to the decision. So, Mary, you have your own film, you have my film, and you have David's film. Which film would you like to go with for our next episode?
1: Oh, I'm really torn because I do really love the film that I was thinking of, but I feel like you guys are going to do it with something later <laughs> after your oh.
2: show goes
1: <laughs> travesty. Um, I'm torn. I'm torn. Oh. Do you know what? No, I'm going to stick with my own film because actually I think it is worth watching.
2: Okay, Okay. so tell us a little bit more about your film and then fundamentally what that film is.
1: Okay, so rather than looking at showgirls, it looks at modelling, but as I say, it very much comes from a horror perspective and has some great uh, performances uh, and little guest appearances from the likes of Christina Hendricks and Keanu Reeves. Uh, the film I'm talking about is, of course, Nicholas Winding Refn's The Neon Demon.
2: The Neon Demon. Oh. Interesting. So this will be the... F- this'll be the first time in the world that we're actually dealing with horror as well yeah
0: and i think this is yeah this is one which was kind of in my mind when i was thinking of comparative things and when i was thinking of like uh black swan that was like a a circumstance in which i was thinking of when this has come up about like nudity and when it's appropriate etc but anyway yes this is also in that sphere of black swan and everything like that which i was thinking of so yeah very interesting okay so Yep, this currently, according to Just Watch, a time of recording, but do check other streaming out- outlets out because as with uh, the film we're discussing this week, turned out it was on Amazon Prime, even though Just Watch seems to think that it's only on Arrow. Uh, but as of now, uh, you can catch this for rental on Amazon, Apple TV, Chili, YouTube, um, and I'm sure you can catch it on physical media, etc. as well. So, but do go look on Just Watch is what we use. Um, sometimes you might even get like a, Catch up service like ITV or something sometimes might have these films when they've been shown on television. Maybe even uh, Showgirls might have had an ITV2 <laughs> showing recently <laughs> and might make, make a return to ITV. More than likely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Mary, for discussing this one with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, lots of fun times. Uh, Anything else you want to shout out since uh, you last joined us talking about something far more wholesome in The Muppets, uh, which you got going yeah, on?
1: I did a big guess what on Vampire Videos podcast and we discussed an excellent film which I can't reveal but it was my first time watching it and it was a film from the 1970s, I went in very sceptical and it totally blew me away and over at Movie Scramble we did a pod comparing the lead character in Sisu with the John Wick franchise which made for some interesting debates. And we also have a post coming out about what it means to be cancelled so we'll probably get cancelled as a result of it, but we've tried our okay, best.
0: Okay, we'll go through our like <laughs> previous episodes and give you all the people we've had to endure talking about through connections to movies, maybe. <laughs> we're like, oh yep. no, this, this be- is the year of cancelled individuals for our podcast. Yeah. For a moment I thought you were going to say the Vampire Podcast was going to be that, in which we talk about the sexiness of Gary Oldman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did get to mention that though, and uh, the sexiness, bizarrely, the one time I'll ever find him sexy, of Tom Cruise in an Interview of the Vampire.
0: And now it's crazy when he's got Mission Impossible come out and you go like, this guy is sixty years old so what, what is going on uh craig anything lastly from yourself if
2: there's one thing you should take away from this podcast kids it's this don't litter or david will fuck you up
0: <laughs> right thank you everyone go check out then neon demon the neon demon go check out the neon demon if you want to join in i'm the glad position. you said it properly
2: that time you said the neon demon and i was yeah. like all right demon. jamaican
0: uh go check out the neon demon
1: stop saying that
0: <laughs> you did it the neon <laughs> demon
1: <laughs> i think it's just your your welsh bro yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> go check out the neon demon on streaming or wherever you may catch it. if you want to talk about the film with us and experience it and go through our crazy chain of movies uh yeah it's been uh, very fun so far this year and who knows where that one will lead as well so catch you in the next one guys and have a good one bye-bye see ya keep up with the latest episodes of well good movies you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets including apple google spotify youtube and more don't forget to follow us subscribe and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing you can follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at well good movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future so what are you waiting for Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode.